put on your dancing shoes, and get ready to move. Tell your story through the sweet sound of the blues. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Eli Seitz about his upcoming live-action role-playing game, Strictly Between Us. In this game, you learn how to move and groove to the blues as you and your partner tell a story of growth or the fall of a relationship. It's all happening right now on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am really pumped for, well, a new type of game that I'm not familiar with, with another wonderful creator. Eli, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm Eli Seitz. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm here so we can talk about Strictly Between Us. When you messaged me to talk about strictly between us, I was immediately enamored with the concept of this because as the audience will learn in a second, this game is a live action role-playing game or a LARP for short for those of you who aren't familiar. And we haven't actually had a LARP game on schedule for launch. It's almost been two years. Actually, it might be, this episode might be the, give me a second. I think that (laughs) this game is coming out on our two-year anniversary this uh, this episode beautiful it's an honor both there and to be <laughs> first in the LARP category let's see yeah it's something I'm excited about because it's I, I have no clue about it like I was telling you earlier there is a very active LARP community in the region that I'm in but yep two days from this launch February 7th, when this episode goes live, and a couple weeks post us recording, it'll be our birthday. But there's a really active LARP community from around where I am, and I have no clue about live action role playing. And <laughs> outside of like the cinematic, like I said, I'm going to hit you with a stick in the forest. So, like, I'm, I'm excited to get into this. I'm really excited to learn what live action role-playing looks like with dance. That's really cool. But Eli, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we really hop into it? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Eli, and this is actually going to be my fourth zine that I'm putting out with Zine Quest, Zine Run. And like some of my games before, it's another game that's about a really specific, really niche experience because that's my jam. I love making <laughs> games that are all about like one thing and really mm-hmm. dialing in on it as an experience. And as you alluded to, Strictly Between Us is a LARP. It is about dancing and it's specifically about blues dancing and partner dancing and about exploring that partnership as a romantic relationship, whether it's forming or it's falling apart and how you express that through movement and dance. I'm excited to get into it because blues music, we already, we had a a discussion like less than five minutes ago about how much (laughs) I love the blues and what you can do with that. And there, there's a lot more that's going to be happening in that. But I wanted to touch on those other zine quests before, because they are more traditional role-playing games. I know that one is a, solo game 
but could you tell me a little bit about your previous ZineQuest experience and your work with Kickstarter before this? Yeah, absolutely. So I got my start in 2020. I think that was ZineQuest 2. And I released um, Fruit of Law, which is a really neat one-page RPG and a supplement that's all about eating a pomegranate and using it to create the rules and laws of a people and form their culture around the process of eating a pomegranate. So just really hyper-specific here. We're, we're going as specific as you can possibly get. And then I followed that up with a game about dying in the Arctic. There's, there's many games in this incredibly fruitful genre of dying in the cold, but my proud contribution is a game called Last Place, and it's based on Robert F. Scott went to the Arctic in 1910 and 1912 on a race with the Norwegians to be the first person mm. to the South Pole, and he did reach the pole, he did not win the race, and he did die on the way back. And my game is all about that process of following a great leader, exploring harsh terrain, and honestly, the failures of white men in colonialism. And you may die on the way back. That's fun. I know that uh, the average listener, this is old news by now, but I love those exploring icy places games so much. And uh, yeah, Dying in them sounds awful, though. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's you. You just you just have to have a stiff upper lip about it. The one probably the most famous quote from that expedition, because one of the really great things about researching and <laughs> design that game is that they found the tent where they're all frozen to death, and so you can read his journal of the entire expedition. And so it's really got to design with first hand, first party like documents. And that one of them, one of the other expedition members, literally just like walked out in his socks and in true British form, like was like, I'm just going to be out for I'm just going out for a bit. And it's like it's clear to everyone that he's walking out into the cold because he feels like he's a strain on their resources yeah. and is going to die. And so it's just uh. absolutely fascinating. But I've also designed probably what I'm most well-known for is I designed Thursday, which is a belonging outside belonging game that is based on um, Russian Doll and The Girl Who Left Through Time and Groundhog Day, all of those time loop, yeah. time travel stories. Mm -hmm. And that game is really fun, got some great art in it, and it was actually nominated for a Indie Game Designer Network Groundbreaker Award last year, so... Ah, that's where I'm familiar with the title. Okay, that's... Uh, it felt familiar, but I couldn't place it. <laughs> I remember looking at those. Yeah, But yeah. we're here to talk about a very cool game, Strictly Between Us. What is Strictly Between Us? A little bit more in-depth than what we already know. Absolutely. So the tagline for Strictly Between Us is it is a game for LARPers who want to move or for gamers who want to move and dancers who want to tell stories. And it's really a game that was designed with these two ideas in mind of, we want to tell an interesting narrative story and we also want to engage the idea of dance and dancing with a partner 
and the kind of creativity that is involved in moving your body like that. And so the plot, the narrative of the game is that you are a couple, that there is, there is, you are paired up, and that your pair is either going to be playing the together track, where you come together and it's the formation of a relationship, or you're going to play the apart track, where it is the disillusionment or the relationship is crumbling at the start, and you play to figure out what happens. And so there's there's prompts and there's group sessions and group jams where you're demonstrating your emotions through dance for the rest of the group. But a lot of what the game is and what I think is so cool about this style of LARP, and we can get into more what I mean about like what style of LARP is this, is that a lot of what the book and the zine is, is it's um, workshops that help build up your ability to play the game and feel comfortable in the character and feel safe physically and emotionally with the kind of themes that are involved and the kind of gameplay that it involves. And so it really is kind of like a step-by-step instruction manual that you go through these workshops and they warm it up and it all kind of flows from there and plays out over the course of about two or three hours. Okay. So do you mind talking a little bit about those workshops and safety tools? Because I'm sure they're a little bit different than how a tabletop role-playing game would utilize their safety rules. Like you're not using lines and veils the same way in Strictly Between Us as you would be in something like Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I would support every safety tool that people need to feel comfortable. And if with yeah. your partners you're discussing the narrative that you want to tell, you want to add some lines or veils, that's totally welcome. But you are right that we want some extra safety mechanics because so much of LARP is about being in character. And so it's mm-hmm. like, how do we check in without being in character? So you have kind of like an okay check in, like thumbs up, thumbs down system to do that. Or how do we s- signal that I'm feeling uncomfortable if we're dancing close to each other and maybe there's loud music playing and I can't see your mouth? Like that could be hard. And so we have a tap out system, almost like in Vesteling. And a lot of that was influenced and inspired by, there's a really great LARP anthology called um, Honey and Hot Wax by that was compiled by Lucian Khan and Sharing Biswas. That's really excellent. I'm glad that you, you mentioned that this podcast has an explicit rating because it is all about sex LARPs. Some oh, of okay. which have some sexual content with it. Others are things like we're going to talk about sex, but at a tea party. And so it's all veiled food metaphors the whole way. Uh. But reading that was one of the really great things of like, oh, this is how we can push this medium and explore extra things that go beyond kind of what, how do we push how we're role playing? And so mm-hmm. thinking about the idea of pushing out how we're role playing, but also wanting to remain safe while we do it. So how can we check in? How can we tap out? And then part of it is also just about in dance involves physical movement. And so it's like, how do we show, oh, this is how we need to move our bodies so that we don't hurt each other as we're doing a partner dance is really important. I think it's so interesting, the concepts of 
partner dance and these prompts. So can you tell us a little bit about how Strictly Patinos actually runs, how it works, what you need to play? Yeah, yeah. So Strictly Between Us is very easy. There's no setup that you need at all. You will need kind of like a space large enough for dancing. I would recommend kind of wood floors, probably not, certainly not concrete because that's not very comfortable to dance in. And I mean, you could do it in a carpet, but you don't want anything too plush. And then you just want some dancing shoes, some clothes to move in, and then some speakers to play music on. One of the things that I'm most excited about in this game we were talking about earlier is that when I'm working with someone who's in the blue scene in Boston and that they're curating specialty playlists for the game. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so excited to have my own specialty playlist. Honestly, I feel like the digital version of the game is worth it just for that because then you're basically <laughs> just buying a curated two or three hour album that's just like, here's all this amazing blues music picked out for me. But yeah, how the game plays, there's a facilitator and the facilitator kind of helps work us work our way through the workshops that I was talking about. So we're going to talk about emotional safety and then we're going to talk about the connection between the two partners and how that looks physically and what are people's comfort levels with that. Like, are we going to be dancing really close chest to chest? Or is it, no, I think we're just going to hold hands. And that can vary by partner in the group. Yeah. And as you go, you do a workshop on creating your characters and picking whether the, your couple is going to play the together track or the apart track. And then working on how do I convey emotions through dance? Like, if I'm really sad, what does that look like physically? Like, am I going to be moving extra slow? Am I going to get low to the ground? How does that feel with my tension in my arms? And so really trying to figure out these questions before we get into it. And then once the game, the narrative starts improper, it happens over three nights of social dancing. And there are prompts that help push the characters that are questions that you kind of ask. And they, like, if you're asking your character, asking the other person, like, how are you lying to the, how are you lying to the audience? And then that changes your perception of the relationship and it helps build on it until the night three, when we kind of see, are the couple going to come together? Are the couple going to fall apart? It almost reminds me of an improv performance. That's Mm -hmm. the best way I can like, in my brain, as somebody who's not attached to the LARP community, that is the quickest way that I can attach to this and get like a, a feel for this. Because if I'm understanding correctly, when I originally read Strictly Between Us, I thought it was a little bit more like a little bit of narrative with the dance, but I thought it was more so like mm-hmm. a lot of people going at once. And this kind of seems more like it's uh, scene work in in role playing fashion. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, there are a lot of similarities between like improv scenes. Like if you were to go to an improv class, they're not going to just like, all right, we're going to do this emotionally tense scene and you have to improv all these things. Like you're going to warm up. You're going to do some workshops first. You're going to kind of get to know your space. You're going to do some brainstorming work about your character. And all these things kind of help set your mind in a place where you can really immerse yourself. And I feel like that's where 
strictly shines because it's about building up the character, building up your confidence in the art form. And by the time you get to the nights of dancing where you're doing it in character, it's, oh, I'm dancing in character. I'm talking in character. I'm feeling in character with those safety mechanisms in place. And that it's really a wholly different, can be a very different experience from at the table where you're, you're dancing, you're moving, you're feeling it. And it's, you can really experience in your whole body that character role-playing feeling as opposed to just saying like, oh, I'm going to roll to attack. Like we were talking about D&D. You aren't, you aren't likely to have any bleed from that. You aren't likely <laughs> to get thinking in your character at all times. It's like I said, it's so fascinating to me. And these workshops, I'm excited about them. Can you give me like a, an example of like what one of the workshops might cover? Yeah, yeah. So I think that one of my favorite ones that's I think really great is the workshop about connections in dance. And so it really kind of breaks into blues dancing is a dance that has a lead and a follow. So two different roles within the dance. And there's a lot of different forms of connection that you can have in that dance. Like you could dance as a couple, but you're not even touching each other. You're probably just looking at each other and like modeling things and having a conversation through dance just by looking at each other. Or you could just hold one hand or hold two hands. And so the connections in dance, it kind of explores the different kinds of connection that you can have and helps everyone find their comfort levels. And I think yeah. that's so important for a game like this that relies on it's telling the story of two people. And so if you're coming in with a group and you don't know the people that you're playing with, it's about helping you find the person who wants to tell the same story as you. Of like, okay. oh, we both want to tell the same story of a couple coming together and explore this. And we're both comfortable with dance and we're both comfortable with kind of more intimate styles of contact. Or yeah. we're both not comfortable with this. And it helps really put those things out before you start so that you can know those limits. It's kind of like you brought up Lines and Veils, that this is a version of Lines and Veils, but for dance. Of okay. we can understand, we can talk about these things before it happens. So we're not going to get surprised on the dance floor. We're already yeah. talking about the kinds of connection that we're going to make. And we know what we're comfortable with. So when we go out there and do it, we can be confident in doing it. It's amazing. Something else that I really like about this is the utilization of blues music. Why go with the blues? Like, tell me, tell me <laughs> this, because I know why I love the blues and I know there's a lot of misconceptions about the blues, but why theme the game around the blues? Yeah. So I started partner dancing in college. I actually started with swing dancing and I did East Coast and Lindy Hop and Charleston and all kinds of different swing dance. And I love swing dancing, but it's a lot faster and it's yep. a lot more, can be a lot more technical. And yes. I really fell in love with the blues, blues dancing when I was in Boston, when I was living in Boston and they have a great blues scene there for blues dancing. And what I love about blues dancing is that Obviously, the music is incredible and it comes from an incredible tradition. 
and that we have a whole page in the game talking about where blues music is coming from. Like this is coming from the American South and African-American folk song traditions and spirituals. And that's incredible. But the thing about blues dancing is it's so simple. I remember when I went to my first social dance event and I'd never danced blue to blues before. And my one of the other people in my group was like, oh, and there's going to be blues dancing later. And I was like, what? Blues dancing? I don't know how to do that. I've only danced East Coast before or Olympia before. How do I do blues dancing? And she was like, it's really simple. You just step side to side and then kind of make it sexy. And that's it. That's all you need to do. <laughs> and she was right. Like, that's all you need to do. There's a lot more you can do and all kinds of incredible moves and dancing solo. But at the end of the day, all you're doing is stepping side to side. And it's so easy. And the music is slow enough that even just starting out, you have the brain space to think about what you're doing, internalize it, and then think about something interesting you want to do on top of it. Like if you're doing a really fast Lindy swing out, like there's no time to think about, oh, am I going to substitute a kickball change for these two beats in here? Like if you get really comfortable, maybe you can do that. But in blues music, you're moving slow enough that you're like stepping side to side and you're thinking, oh, what am I going to do next? Maybe I'll do a turn. All right, let's do a turn. And so blues music and working with my co-collaborator, um, Kristen, who I actually dance with in the blues community, that we were saying blues music, blues dancing is the way to go because it's the thing that is so approachable and so creative and so accessible. It's so accessible in its creativity. I'm really into it. I've mentioned to you before, I, I've experienced the blues music through being an instrumentalist. I played bass, so it's one of the more important, well-known parts of blues mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am probably in the top 10 worst dancers, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm awful, Eli. Like <laughs> two, two left feet got so much on me. And <laughs> I, I think that blues dancing is one of the few that I am comfortable moving to because of how it works and the tempo in it. But can you talk about how kind of like the approach that somebody, I know you said like, side to side step sexy, but somebody who, <laughs> who's not a great dancer or not comfortable with themselves, how do they build up confidence in blues dancing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that as part of the campaign, we're going to recommend some, that there's some great tutorials on YouTube of like, how, wh where do I even start dancing? Like, yeah. I don't know. Do I just like lock my knees and like raise one foot and then the other? Like, what do I do? So we'll have some, some videos as part of the campaign. But a lot of it comes down to that's why we include these workshops is that like we're not going to just throw you in and say, all right, here's a character sheet. Go out and do it. That it's really about <laughs> let's let's do baby steps. So just like you're in a class, like. Let's feel the music. Let's, let's, all right, find the pulse. Once you've found the pulse, like then we'll work on connecting the pulse with the partner and then we'll work on building it. And so it's really about building up 
your comfortability in it because that's what confidence looks like. If you're comfortable, you can be confident. And if you're not yeah. comfortable, it's really hard to be confident. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's great. I'm super glad that there's going to be at least some direction towards mm-hmm. how to get a little bit better or comfortable moving. Cause let's be honest, like some people get stressed out doing like a, a silly voice at, at a table <laughs> and dance is one of those things, especially when you see like you have an amazing dancer who's in a group that can be intimidating. So I'm glad to hear that y'all were thinking about that and have some, some guidance for those folks. And I yeah. Think definitely I mean, it's really them. been, it's really at the height of our mind as we were working to design the game is we wanted it to be accessible for both people who dance, but don't have any interaction with role-playing. They're like yeah. a character. What is that? A scene? What is that? Lines mm-hmm. of veils. What is that? So we're building in the pieces for them to feel comfortable saying like, oh, I'm going to make these character and this is what their pronouns are. And this is kind of how they feel about the situation. And then also yeah. giving the space for the people like yourself who go to the gaming table regularly. And the idea of putting on another persona and telling a story is absolutely familiar to them. But I have to do that standing. I have to do that moving around. Like that feels way too much. <laughs> and so it's really about like, how can we take these two pieces and gently ease both sides into it to make something mm-hmm. new? Another really good thing. And I know that this is very common amongst live action role playing as a genre is the compatibility of the theme of the game and how you play it. So the major theme is formation and dissolution of relationships. And at the same time, you are getting closer to your partner and working with them. It's phenomenal. I think it's, it's such a good way. And from what I understand, a lot of it is through talking and open communication with your partner, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's the, some of it comes through the dancing and some of it comes through the talking. I think it's really, so in the, the scenes in the nights of play where you have, you have prompts and you're having conversation. And then there comes a time during the night where you have a jam where the whole group gets together and couples go into the center of the circle and dance for a bit and then come out. And so it's really about like, you're having conversations with your partner and then you get to show it off through the dance. But going to what you just said, I think it's really important. We can, I can give a little bit of kind of, I'm not a LARP historian by any means, but I can give a brief introduction to some LARP concepts because I think something that really, so this LARP is, I would personally classify it as an American freeform LARP, which okay. is a kind of LARP that is fairly modern. It's pretty, pretty new and came out of a lot of like Nordic style LARP and theater LARPs and also has been influenced a lot by tabletop RPGs because so many of them are based here in North America and that's where American freeform is so set. And a lot of it is just that it really is about merging the themes of the game with the design of the game. One of the, a book that I read that was really great in helping create, write the game 
is that there's a book called LARP Design, Creating Role-Playing Experiences. Mm -hmm. And it was published, and it's a series of essays, and it came a lot out of the Nordic LARP scene. But it's really about that the tradition of LARP that this game falls into is about creating a bespoke set of rules for your game. And it's that everything in the game is meant to serve the purposes of this game and these themes and the experience that you're looking to curate. And so I think that that's really one of the most interesting things about LARP for me is that it really is kind of the culmination of making an experience and building towards it and just designing it a wholeheartedly instead of adapting it. And of course, you take pieces from other places and themes from other places, but it's really a full combination, culmination of all these pieces together. Mm-hmm. Eli, obviously you love dance, but how did you get involved with LARP as a hobby? And then how did that go from the hobby into making a dance LARP? Yeah, yeah. So I honestly haven't played a terrific number of LARPs. I probably can count them on one or two hands, but I find them absolutely fascinating. Just And it's exactly what we were just talking about, that the way that a LARP can push the role-playing experience to another level and the way that you can include mechanics that accentuate the experience or accentuate the themes that you're dealing with is just so fascinating. And so this is actually my, will be my second published LARP that, and the other LARP that I've published was, I think probably my first published piece of role-playing game or TTRPG writing, which was in the Doikiat um, anthology, which was a Jewish tabletop game anthology organized by Riley Rethel and J.R. Goldberg, which was a really great okay. experience. Shout out to them. And I <laughs> wrote a LARP for that game titled Christmas Day. That was all about being <laughs> a dysfunctional Jewish family going to eat Chinese food on Christmas. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I love that. Yeah, so I've I've done I've done some LARP writing, and a lot of it is really just thinking about like what is the experience that you want to create. What are the how do we get there? What are the kind of workshops involved? What are the what are the elements you want to throw into this stew? And mm-hmm. a lot of this game is came from conversations I had with my friend Kristen, who is also my co-designer on this project. That we both play games together. We both dance together and that uh, we said you know we should we should really find some sort of game that brings these things together and it was shortly after probably around the time that we had recently played Alex Roberts um Alex Roberts game Starcross about a ah. couple that is maybe are they going to fall in love are they not with the Jenga tower that is just mm-hmm. a fantastic game and that we said, what if we made Starcross, but with dancing? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where this started then. You and Kristen started off as 
dance partners, if I remember right. You started off knowing each other. In... Yeah, yeah. The, we, were, we were friends and we've done, we've done a lot. We've gone to dance events together and have played role-playing games together. And it was at that point I'd done some writing on my own and I said, do you want to write this game with me? And it's been a long time coming. To show you how long it's been, we we actually play tested this game. And because it's a LARP and because it involves dancing, we had to playtesting involves being close to someone. And that hasn't been very possible with a lot of the pandemic going on. So oh, this yeah. game was playtested before the pandemic. So it's been around in the drafts for <laughs> at this point almost three years. Oh, that's so exciting. What about the rest of the team? Because there's actually a pretty sizable team for, for this. So how did you bring on folks like Amber and Axe, Marnie, and uh, I'm not good yeah. since there's only four other, V Huntsman and Julie <laughs> Brown, who is one of the things that you told me is one of the most important people to be on this team is Julie Brown there. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a great team of people that I'm so honored to be working with. As you mentioned, Julie is an active blues DJ in the blues blues dance community in Boston. And so we knew her through being in that community and reached out and said, like, we really love the sets that you play for social dances. Do you think you can work with us and bring your skills and your music library and your knowledge to the project? And they were very gracious and excited to hop on board. And then beyond that, we've got our incredible art team. I found Amber did some absolutely gorgeous cover art and I just found her work on Twitter and loved it and reached out and said, I'd love to commission you to be part of this project. And they accepted and Axe similarly has done some great (laughs) work for the play materials that we've got these super cute play sheets that have music notes and dance shoes all around that just help set the tone and Vi is an excellent wordsmith that I do not believe that Thursday would have done as well without their Thursday my last game would have done as well without their contributions and so with it was so great working with them on Thursday that I had to bring them back to help wrangle the manuscript and do all the editing for the game. And I have to say that working with an editor is a great process that I heartily recommend to anyone working on a creative (laughs) project because it's so beautiful. It just, you write your words and someone just takes them and makes them even better than you thought they could be. And so that's, we've got an all-star team to put out I think are really, really unique products that are really tight, tight zine that has fun art and some mm. beautiful music to go with it. I'm very excited to hear some of that because I did look at some of Julie's playlists and I remember watching some of the teaching videos that were on her site and just it's, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really excited for people to take a look at this game Eli I want to spin something right back to the very beginning of this conversation because I wanted to learn a little bit more about Strictly Between Us before I asked it Mm -hmm. but you 
really like what you seem to really like, I should say, <laughs> designing very focused, very specific titles. What draws you to that? Yeah, yeah. I've said, and this is depending on your view of them, possibly derogatory to myself, which is I've said before <laughs> that I design the walking simulators of role-playing games. Okay. And to a degree, I think that's kind of true, is that it's really like we're here for this one specific thing. And yeah. like that thing is going to have themes in it. It's going to tell an evocative story. And like maybe it doesn't give you as many options as if you're sitting down to play a game of D&D. &D it's like you, I could literally do everything. Like that's not the point in what I'm designing. I don't have really have any interest in designing a game that's like system agnostic. And I love creating worlds, but a lot of that I just do at the table. Like I don't really view myself as a fiction writer. Like I'm not here to yeah. just create mountains of fluff for your game. And so what it, for me, it's really about, here's a really cool experience. And I think that playing that experience can have a really great impact. And how do I figure out mechanics to get us there. And sometimes those mechanics are rolling dice and sometimes those mechanics are dancing. And sometimes those mechanics are just at the drop of a hat saying, you know, I think that uh, that fire hydrant over there explodes and it kills my character, like in Thursday. Like one of the things that happens <laughs> is you just, at any time you can say that you die and that just resets the whole time loop. And so it's really about figuring what are the mechanics that accomplish the exact experience that I'm looking for. And so I just really love that level of specificity in the experience that can be created through role-playing games, be they LARPs or at the table. I think there's nothing wrong with being the walking simulator of <laughs> tabletop role-playing games because when you go into a walking simulator, you're there for a reason. You know what mm -hmm. you're there for. You know... You're there to look around, take your time, and explore something. But that's exactly what you're aiming for with all of your games that I've seen, at least. In Thursday, like you said, it's exploring that time loop. In the, uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> in the one where you die a horrible death in the Arctic, you're looking to explore what it's like to be lost in that frozen icy tundra and strictly between us, you're there with other people to explore relationships and strictly between us is really good at advertising that as its selling point. So I think that, that it's okay to, to say that I wouldn't even <laughs> say it's derogatory towards yourself. I think that's definitely something that you can take your, and give yourself a compliment on. Well, I, it, it has, has certainly become my calling card <laughs> for sure something i do want to shout out for anyone who's interested in strictly and perhaps the other games that i'm talking about is that as part of the campaign i'm planning on doing some reprinting of past games okay. and so and any of the games that i'm talking about here are going to be available as add-ons that you can get them shipped with your copy of strictly and get stock up on all of my zines at the same time, including one 
that was not a previous ZineQuest project, but is going to be printed for the first time. And speaking of specific experiences, is based on a specific folk song about a murder ballad of two sisters killing each other by drowning. So <laughs> I love that. Well, we're talking Kickstarter right now and things that people can do with rewards and backing and stuff. So let's go into that. What yeah. are some of the backing goals? Because currently uh, Strictly is going to be, as of upload, that would be February 7th right now, Strictly is going to be up for 10 more days, and that ends on February 17th of 2023. So let's talk a little bit about the campaign, what are some of your stretch goals, if you have any, and outside of games, is there anything else that people can get along with a copy of Strictly Between Us? Yeah, yeah. So I'm super excited for the campaign. I think by now it'll have funded because got to stay positive. And that for the campaign, we don't really have any stretch goals in place. If we raise more money, we'll get to pay myself and the con- and the contributors more money. And that is my goal, is to just sell more copies of the zine, let people enjoy it, and pay the contributors more money. Um, Something that I'll shout out is that it's got a ton of different easy backer tiers. We've got a $5 tier, if that's all you can afford. Come in at $5, get the digital version. The regular digital version will be $10. Beyond that, we've got $15 for the zine. And then a special signed version with another exclusive playlist put together by Kristen and I, which probably will not be as good to dance to but has our own personal favorite songs on it. So that'll be at $20. And so it's super simple. We've got those tiers. We're just, that's all we're selling. And then if you are interested in any of my previous games, if you're backing at the physical level, you can add those games to your order and it's not adding any extra shipping. And they're all a little bit on sale from what they normally are. And you can get a fresh print of some of my previous games that I think are out of stock at this point. I think Last Place <laughs> and Fruit of Law, there weren't that many copies to begin with. And they are they are all in loving homes now, but they could be in yours. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, like I said, you have 10 days audience to go and back this and get some of those that are not available to you right now. And that's really exciting. Eli, we are kind of coming close to the end of our recording here, but I got a couple more questions for you. If you're all right with that. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, my favorite, what advice can you give to people who want to design their own project, but they don't know where to start? Yeah, I would give the advice of just, sit down and start typing. The first game project I ever wrote, okay, I think I might have written a 200-word RPG for the 200-word RPG competition, which is a great place to start. Heartily recommend. Um, If you're interested in writing LARPs, I'd love to shout out the Golden Cobra competition. It's really great. It's for American Freeform LARP. You can go back and look at past years that have um, tons of incredible examples. It's very accessible. But I think mm-hmm. the first project that I ever kind of wrote and put out on my itch page 
was from the Libra Baskerville Jam that was done by Jared Sinclair. And the idea of this game jam was that you're going to open a Google Doc, you're going to change your font to Libra Baskerville, and then you're going to start typing, and you're not going to use the backspace bar. And once you're done typing, the game is done. (laughs) And that's it. That's as simple as it is. And I confess my spelling is terrible, so I did use spell check. But well, that's fine. I think that's the best way to get your start in writing a game is just sit down and put some stuff on a page and see what happens. And then you kind of go from there. And I think starting small is how you get to publish the things that you want to publish is maybe you have a big dream and it might not be accessible at the start. So start small and build up to it. Okay. Excellent. No, that's great advice because I think that, and this is, I'm, I'm also a victim of this content bloat is so much. And I feel like that's every designer at one point or another will create something that is way more bloated than it needs to be. So I think that is very good advice to just get into there. Yeah. Yeah. Eli, where can people find out more about you and strictly between us? Absolutely. I am. Eli Sites, E-L-I-S-E-I-T-Z on social media everywhere. I'm on Twitter, the burning hellfire that it is. And I you can get all of my games in digital form on itch.io under the same address. And all of my incredible collaborators who are on this project will be tagged in the project the project is strictly between us on kickstarter and you can find links to their portfolios or their work or their personal websites um as part of that project and yeah awesome as always audience those links are going to be down in the description below this game looks absolutely phenomenal and I I like the idea of having something that is designed for a lot more people than you typically see in the tabletop space. Oh, we never touched on that. So it's, I think, I think it says four to 12 people is the recommended space for Strictly. Yeah, this game plays, you can have as few as four people and a facilitator do two couples and the facilitator and as many as you could have up to 20. So about 10 people and 10 couples and a facilitator. Really, a lot of your how many people is just how much space you have. Because if there's enough space to dance and you have an even number of people, you can play. Yeah, okay, awesome. So that's a lot more than a typical table, but it's enough that you could get your friends together, they can bring their partners, and or you can meet new people and host this thing and just go for it because it sounds like a lot of fun to explore. Eli, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me this week on Schedule for Launch, talking to me about live-action role-playing games and Schedule for Launch. Our, and um, <laughs> I said Schedule for Launch. I meant to say Strictly. Thank you so <laughs> much for joining me this week to talk about Strictly Between Us, live-action role-playing games, and just talking to me a little bit about how this game works because I think it's so different. Like I said, it's a first for Schedule for Launch. It's super unique. I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy this this game. 
Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk about the game and the experience creating it and share with you and your audience kind of the new and not new, but exciting different <laughs> ways to roleplay. And audience, thank you so much for joining us this week. Eli and Strictly Between Us are scheduled to launch really soon. Go out there and support them because it looks like a lot of fun. You can also pick up a couple other games while you're on the Kickstarter be back physically. Eli, thank you again. Audience, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye. Thank you so much to Eli for joining me on the show this week. It was an amazing conversation, and I would love to let you all know that Strictly Between Us has actually already doubled its goal, but I would love for you to check it out because it's a really unique game, and we haven't seen anything quite like it on schedule for launch. It was a nice change of pace to talk about something different, and I absolutely love the look of this. It sounds like a lot of fun if you have enough people to play it. And thank you for listening, audience. As some of you may already know and may be seeing right now, I'm using a new podcasting host, and there's going to be some hiccups for the upcoming little bit. So... Please bear with me. If this wasn't up on your podcatcher of choice on launch, I'm really sorry. And I'm trying to make sure that it's all sorted out for the next one. There's going to be some more changes that happen as I explore Acast and see what it has to offer. So I'll try and make sure all the technical stuff stays out, but I don't know what's going to happen and what's not. Finally, I wanted to say thank you again, because this is our second year anniversary episode and I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for everybody's support. So since I left the other podcatcher, I don't have access to the exact stats, but it was somewhere near 2,500 listens in the two years, which is more than 1,500 listens we got by the end of last year. So I got to say that's not too bad for a niche little podcast. Thanks for listening. And I hope to keep doing this for a while. That's everything for me though. So until next week, take care of yourselves. I hope to see you somewhere out there.